G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. If there is no heaven, this is the biggest waste of time. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear from Pastor Jeff about the reality of God. Speaking at Queensland's Highway Church, he's challenging us about why we go to church, why we worship. Are we convinced of God's presence and reality? Or are we just ensuring ourselves just in case there's a heaven? And yet, there's something in the human heart that knows there's something beyond. Forget believers, forget Christ followers. I'm talking about humanity together. This is Today with Jeff Vines. All right, it's great to be with you. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John 14, verse 1 through 4. And I know that, uh, I know you're good at multitasking here. And I know you've memorized your Bible from front to back, right? Right, okay. So help me out here a little bit. Let's play fill in the blank, okay? Jesus tells the disciples in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many... Rooms, mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come back, right? To take you where you may be, that you may be where I also am, depending on translation. So having read that verse, why are you here? Why'd you come this morning? I mean, there's so many other things you could be doing. You could be golfing, Byron, and I could be with you. Maybe you came because you kind of get a spiritual buzz when you come and it makes you feel good. Maybe you came because it's about appeasement. Uh, You want to make sure that you're in church on the weekend so that God will be good to you during the weekday. Or maybe you came out of fear. You're afraid if I don't go, then God might get me Monday to Friday. Are you here because... You want to worship God. You just live with such a heart of gratitude that this is your chance to come corporately with other Christ followers and and worship and praise God. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're the kind of person you just can't wait to be with other Christians and to be reminded that your life is about much more than the here and now. Maybe that's it. But if there is no heaven, this is the biggest waste of time. You could be doing so many other things. If this is only a materialistic world, and when we die, that's it. What a waste of time this is. In fact, we're all insane. Because what we believe doesn't correspond with the reality. That, by definition, is insanity. And yet, there's something in the human heart that knows there's something beyond Forget believers, forget Christ followers. I'm talking about humanity together. There's something in them that seeks it. 
So why are you here? I'm assuming it's because you're, you don't believe the material worldview that this is only material. I was once asked on a radio program in New Zealand, News Talk ZB, uh, we were having three hours on Good Friday. A caller called in, a philosophy, another philosophy major, somehow they find me, and, at Auckland University, and they said basically this, Pastor Jeff, I hear what you're saying, but you got no proof for heaven. There's no way. You, you, you have no arguments that somehow there's something after this. And so the person said, I choose to do whatever I want. And you know what? If there is no heaven, you should go out and suck all the marrow out of life and not live for anybody else but yourself. You should do whatever you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it, and disregard everybody else. And yet, we don't seem to be able to escape this. There's a thirst for the beyond. Think about it. We hunger because food is real. We thirst because water is real. We yearn for eternity because eternity is real. Now, I want to take you through a little journey. I'm going to divide this up into two segments. The first segment we're going to talk about, I think there is an enormous amount of what we call proof, legal historical type proof that something exists beyond. And then the second thing is, if it does exist, what, what does that mean for you? How does it change us? So I want, to play a, I want to play something for you, and I want you to take you back to about 1977. What is this from? You ready? Here it is. You know what that is? Say it out loud. Star Wars. Okay. Thank you. In 1977, I had my first date. I was 13 years old, and I took my first girlfriend to this movie. The first Star Wars, and the words started coming across the screen. Remember how they would roll them down? That was new at the time. That was like, wow, look at those words rolling down the screen. Now they can create an entire movie in a computer lab. But I remember thinking, how cool is that? And do you remember those opening words a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? I thought that was so cool. That's how fantasies usually begin. Long, long ago in a faraway land, a long time ago in a distant land, once upon a time. But what do those words really mean? Okay, it means this. I don't know when this happened. It probably didn't happen, but wouldn't it be really cool if it did happen? We call these movies fantasy. Fantasy. Definition of fantasy is a 20-minute sermon. They just don't happen. That's a fantasy. Now, what do all fantasies have in common? You got Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, Peter Pan, Thor, Lord of the Rings. All of them are myths. They're legends that never really happen. And yet here's the, here's the key. To the dismay of philosophers and pure rationalists, Hollywood keeps recycling these movies over and over and over. You keep paying hard-earned money to see the same plot over and over and over again. There's nothing new. You got the good guy, you got the bad guy, you got the hero that saves the day. Attention, an antagonist, the savior. They just turn them out one after the next after the next. And you and I keep spending hard-earned cash to see them. Why? Anthony Lane, frustrated with this monotonous scenario, writes a review of The Lord of the Rings and The New Yorker. Pay attention to what he says. He says, is it a book? It is a book that bristles with bravado. Yet to give in to it, to cave into it, as most of us did on the first reading, betrays a reluctance to face the finer shades of life that verges on the cowardly. What's he saying? He's saying this. If you're drawn to fantasy, it's because you're a coward. 
You can't face the fact that your life stinks. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you go entertain yourself with things that never really happen. You live, you suffer, you die, that's it. However, when men like Anthony Lane are asked a question by a guy like Pastor Jeff and says, if that's true, how can you explain in a purely materialistic universe why it is that our heart resonates with those stories? It's not that we're stupid. We know they're not true. We know they're not real. But why do we want to keep seeing them? Why is it that there's something in fantasy that realistic fiction can never satisfy? Have you ever been to a movie and it ended poorly and you sat there and you're just ticked and you want your money back? How dare that child die? Where's the savior? Small s. That's the way I felt when I saw a boy in striped pajamas. You remember that movie? Little boy befriends another little boy behind the walls of the concentration camp. He wants to play with the little boy. He gets in on the day that they're sending the little boys into the gas chamber. And that's it. It ends. And you're sitting there, wait a minute. What happened? And so you're angry. Why? Why is it that we long for those stories that we call fantasy? Why is it? Can someone in the materialistic world, somebody that's total naturalism, can you explain to me why there's a deep desire in the human heart to escape death, to experience a love that always lasts, to attain invincibility, to communicate with animals and angels? That's why we like Lord of the Rings, man. The trees dance. (laughs) To triumph over evil, to see the trees come alive. Why? And when you ask a man like Anthony Lane that question, they come up with no desire. There's no evolution theory that tells you why your heart longs for that. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and you're hearing The Reality of God, another in a series of messages from Highway Church. Let's continue now. What if the fantasies that we like so much did not end well? Let's go back to that. What if, what if somebody else drops the hammer on Thor and Asgard is lost? What if Sleeping Beauty has no prince to wake her up? What if the prince doesn't find Cinderella's slipper and she's resigned to a life of hard labor, envy, jealousy, hate? And what if Superman is destroyed by kryptonite and the planet perishes under the rule of an evil sorcerer? Imagine reading those stories to your children at bedtime. Come on. What would your child do? Daddy, why are you so mean? Why would you read me these sad stories? Read me a happy one. And yet, inside every single one of us, listen, we know that the stories are not true. Now, stay with me. This is crucial. We know the stories aren't true, but we know that the underlying truth to which all good stories point is true. That's why it resonates. That there really is a battle going on on this planet. That there really is categorical even good, evil and good. That there is truth and justice. That there really is a sorcerer of sorts messing with the planet. And that we're really not meant to die. And that we do really need to defeat death. So even though we know all these stories are not true, the underlying realities to which the stories point, we know those are true. Now let me, I'm hammering this a little bit because I want to make sure we're on the same page. So let's approach it from different sides. Do you know I actually flew as Superman in my church in LA once. And I knew when I told you that, you wouldn't believe it, so I got video. It's a bad video, but I actually did this. We built a flying fox at the back, and here we go. 
I flew onto the stage. And then I had to go backstage and untie the ropes. And then I ran out to show that Superman can do everything. And so over the weekend, 10,000 people see this. And now you've seen it. Why? Think about Superman. He comes from another world. He has miraculous powers. He desires to save the planet. His enemy uses his weakness, his love for humanity against him. Then his enemy appears to kill him, but he comes back and saves mankind. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Because every good story points to the ultimate story. And because God has placed the eternal story in our hearts, that's why we're drawn to it. It's who we are, man. Fantasy merely points to the underlying truth we all know. There's ultimate good and evil. A noble prince has indeed come. And there is a love that lasts forever. And one day we're going to fly and we will defeat death. And one day the trees are going to dance. All the very best stories are true. All right, so let's take that and drop it over here. Now let's build the other part of the stage. Why is that important? Because there are stories that are going to be written in your life that do stink. And the only way you're going to make it through those chapters is if there's a greater overarching story. Not only that, but you're giving God, when you become a Christ follower, you're giving him the pen of your life and saying you can write the chapters, even the painful ones. And that would only be just if the overarching story ensures that you win in the end. I think about my buddy Byron over here. The more I've gotten to know him, the more I realize this guy, he shouldn't be alive. It's a miracle that he's seated here. Not because Ann hasn't killed him yet, just because he suffered a lot. I mean, the guy's had throat cancer. You know, he, he can't even taste anything. So he drinks this ice break that's going to make him a diabetic, so something's going to get him. But he drinks, he kind of has to, he's kind of forced to. It helps him get his food down. It keeps his throat coated. He, he goes out for a meal. We always have to find a restaurant that has mashed potatoes because that's the only way he can get his food down. So you got to think ahead. The guy's been in the hospital with a heart attack. He had a heart attack on the golf course. I mean, what else can happen to this guy? He's been in the hospital a few years ago. I remember we were FaceTiming together because we were really worried about him. And we didn't know if he was going to make it for the third time. And he lives with this, this internal uh, issue to where uh, if he eats the wrong kind of food, it'll create a hole and create infection. And then it, it, he could die. So he, he, basically every day is a day. If you, if you wonder why he smiles and he, all the time, is because he knows every day is extra. It's extra. It should have been gone years ago. The reason I'm drawn to him is because he never complains. If I were like that, I would complain every day. I'm saying one personality. I'd be saying, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, but you never know it until he kills over and he's got to go to the restroom to take care of some business. You just don't know. That would be me. 24-7, I'd be screaming. Who wrote the story of Byron's life? Do you know his story? How God told him to plant a church? How for the first 10 years he worked a job and didn't take a salary because he believed that God wanted highway to exist, that he was willing to live for eternity, even if it cost him greatly? 
I think of my friend Erin back in Los Angeles. She loved Isaiah, her 11-year-old son. I know mothers love their children, but man, the the love between the, the mother and the son, it was just so lovely and beautiful to see. She had only been a Christian for about six months when her son Isaiah was crossing the crosswalk to go to school early one morning. This actually made the LA Times. It was so tragic. And a 19-year-old kid who had stayed up too late, fell asleep at the wheel, ran through the crosswalk, struck Isaiah, and he died. And I kept an eye on her because I was concerned how she was going to respond to all this. Who wants that kind of chapter written into your life, man? And she would come to church every week. She kept coming, but she would just sit there and weep. These are not chapters that we would choose to write in our own lives. I think of the last time I was here. I don't know if you remember David Byrne. But we went to pray for David and his wife who had cancer. And man, when we, were, when we got to the house, you could tell, those of you who were with us, you could tell that she wanted to live so badly. And she wanted to live primarily for him. He loved her. Man, he was so enamored with her. And his greatest fear was losing the love of his life. And we prayed, we prayed, Pastor Phil went with us, but the story written was one of tragedy. She died. I was concerned that something may deter him from continuing on in his faith. And so the next time I came back, he met me at the airport and I just prayed with him and talked to him and said, hey, how you doing? How you holding up? But this is not only the question for David or for Aaron who lost Isaiah, for Byron, This is the question for all of us. How do we survive in the present? How do we survive when God seems to be writing a story of abandonment? When things aren't going the way that we think they should be going? When Aaron, how does she go on without her child, the love of her life? How does David go on without his wife? How do we go on? We men, how do we go on with the shadow of death hanging over us? You know, I've noticed when you hit 50, here's what happens. And some of you might be earlier. You have good days and bad days, sure. And even when you have good days, even when things are going well at your job and your marriage is going well, you still have this cloud that's following you like a shadow. And it's this, one day you're going to die. And all of this is over. How do you live with that? Now, listen carefully, please. Jesus knew this was going to be an issue. He knew we were going to ask this question. How do I live in this story in light of the overarching story? So he tells this this story with great romance involved in it. He tells a quick little story to the disciples and they would have gotten it, okay? Because in the first century, you lived in what were called insulas. Insulas were large blocks with many, many rooms around that would house, man, you lived with your mother-in-law. Imagine guys, your mother-in-law in the same complex. So you got your mother-in-law, you got your aunts, you got your uncles, you got mom, dad, the children, you got the whole family, extended family, all living in what is called an insula. Google it, you'll get some great pictures, great photos. So young men would be engaged to be married somewhere between 18 and 21, young girls between 14 and 17. And so the families would make an agreement. It was arranged marriage in those days. And so the family would go to the village and would buy the bride. Uh, There's a, a phrase in extra biblical literature, she who was bought with a price. Now, Paul and Jesus are going to use that, he who was bought with a price. The point is, she's not really bought. It's a labola, like we say in Africa. It's a dowry. You, you pay the family, and then the son says to the young girl, who's too early to marry, but young enough to be betrothed, and a betrothal was binding. So the young man would say, you wait here. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And in my father's house, there are a lot of rooms, but we need another room for you and me. So I'm going to go back to my father's house and we're going to start working on this place for us. And then I'm going to come back and get you. And I need you to be faithful 
And to live as though we're married right now. Because again, an engagement, a betrothal was binding. So I want you to be pure and faithful and to live as though you're married even though you're not. And then one day, I will come back and get you. We'll take the white horse. The family name will be draped across the back. The shofar, the trumpet will be blown. And then we'll have a celebration. You will hear us coming from a long distance. And when you do, go get yourself ready by putting on the wedding dress. We will hoist you on the white horse. We will have the celebration, the wedding. And then I will take you back to my father's insula so that where I am, you may also be. So Jesus uses the romantic language of marriage and says to the disciples, your life's going to get tough. He says that to them. You know that, right? In Acts 1, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to be my witnesses, my martyria. The word means martyr. Jesus basically tells them, you've got a great overarching story, but the one on this planet, you're going to die for the cause of Christ. It evolves into the word martyr. You're going to be killed and you're going to suffer because you're part of my kingdom. But don't worry. That's just the story in the here and now. The overarching story is you will live with me in eternity because in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And one of these days, I'm going to come back and get you so that you may also be where I am. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And that's all we have time for today, but please join us next time to hear the rest of The Reality of God. You can hear Pastor Jeff's other messages from his recent Queensland visit by heading to vision.org.au and searching for Jeff Bynes. Today with Jeff Bynes. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.